All right. Uh, greetings from the Yahoo Church of Christ. My name is Jackson Chang, and um, I want to thank you for joining us in this podcast series, Refined by Fire, which looks at the Apostle Peter and the journey of his faith. Uh, so some of the goals that I'm trying to achieve with this with this series and maybe podcasts in general is uh, for this one specifically is to look at Peter's spiritual journey and hopefully, you know, his journey and his life will inspire our faith to grow more. Uh, a second part of this is looking at character studies in general uh, as a tool for our own personal Bible study. So my hopes is that by the end of this, uh, that you will feel equipped to say, hey, I, I can do this character study with like Paul or uh, somebody else in the Old Testament. One other thing that I thought would be neat for us is to, you know, help us to get to know each other a little bit more as a congregation um, with different people that I'll have on the podcast, you know, hopefully we'll get to know each other a little bit more, especially during these times uh, of the pandemic where we don't get to see or connect with people as much. So joining us today is a great friend of mine, uh, Dave Anderson. Welcome, Dave. Uh, good to have you here. Good to actually see you in person. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can uh, tell tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you currently serve as a house church leader uh, for the church and lead one of our great Ohana groups in town. Uh, but yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, I'm married to Dora, um, Dora Anderson, and been a Christian for about 20 plus years. I think 1992 is when I was baptized in this church. Uh, I say that because I was baptized a, a few times just to make sure, uh, <laughs> you know, we're all good. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, so I do that. I work at, on base on Pearl Harbor, uh, Hickam, do a, manage an IT program there and uh, have been around, lived on Oahu since 91 itself. So uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been great. Uh, I mean, I know you've uh, taken upon yourself to even pursue different uh, you know, like degrees and different things in Bible. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, in, in, as, as you know, as, as we all know, this, this life of being a Christian is a long journey and, and there's highs and lows. And, uh, in one of my low points, I started, uh, reaching out and, and found some, some teachers that, that just really struck a nerve with me and in how they taught and how they delivered, uh, the message and how they taught the Bible. And, it, and I started to get an inspiration. And, and so um, I got into a program called AIM. Um, I got into a, a program of, of uh, in our church, uh, the Purity Group uh, for Men with Roger DeKina. And uh, just was really to center myself on Bible. And I saw the changes in my life uh, that were occurring because I was so into learning more and more about scripture. And so that just drove me to, hey, maybe I should continue this. Maybe I mm. should keep searching, keep training, keep learning. And uh, it led, you know, one thing led to another and a, a brother recommended, well, why don't you go get a degree? I'm mm. like, well, I never thought of that before. <laughs> but uh, I went, pursued that and ended up with a, a finishing an MA in uh, Bible and theology 
and learning uh, even more about this wonderful book, the Bible. Mm, that's awesome. Uh, that's certainly uh, commendable uh, at uh, our uh, age uh, to uh, pursue education. So uh, that's awesome. But uh, let's just dive on right on in. Uh, the theme scripture for the podcast series comes from First uh, Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. And it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and His great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. Uh, I, I really uh, uh, love that scripture. This was written by Peter uh, towards the end of his life. Uh, so when he talks about you know, our faith being refined by fire, he's writing from his own experience, his own um, you know, things that he had gone through uh, for him to really... Uh, grow in his faith. So I really appreciate that. And I thought this is a very fitting passage for us today, um, you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic going on, uh, which is one of the reasons why I kind of decided to kickstart this podcast um, series. But, um, you know, life um, has its challenges and uh, will continue to have many challenges. Um, but I think what Peter says here is if we keep God's perspective, they are momentary. Uh, and if we persevere uh, through them, our faith will actually grow. And ultimately, that will give us hope of one day receiving salvation for our souls, uh, which is, to me, a, a great perspective to have um, that even though we go through uh, momentary uh, troubles, uh, they are momentary. And at the end, uh, hopefully we'll make it to heaven, which is really awesome. And there's really no greater person than Peter to show us that mm -hmm. or talk to us about that. To to think of, you know, one of the things that draws us to Peter is is just his blatant failures, as this, this is going to discuss, mm -hmm. um, in the life of Jesus in the death of Jesus and what he saw, you, you know, I highlighted there, you know, even though you may have had to suffer in all kinds of trials, thinking of all the trials Peter had mm. from Jerusalem to the persecution in Jerusalem, to the scattering of the, right. of the church, the, the dragging out of brothers and sisters from their homes and, and being kicked out of synagogues and, and across the Roman empire. And yet he's still sitting here talking about it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and the things he would have gone through, as you yeah. said, and witnessed. Yeah. You know. And it's it's really awesome. Yeah. Today we're uh, talking about overcoming failure. Um, and it's it's interesting because, you know, when we look at the Gospels, uh, 
uh, it's uh, believed to be have written after uh, his death. Uh, so, you know, usually you would think that um, things that you write about somebody would kind of tone down his quote-unquote failures, right? Just make them look a lot better. But, um, you know, I think that's a great thing about Peter. Probably, my guess is that in his life, as he preached, as he shared his life, he was sharing so much of, man, this is how I failed. This is all the trials that I've gone through, and this is the mistakes that I've made. Um, so much that after his death, they felt like, you know, if I'm going to write about Peter, I got to be true to what he shared in his life, which is a lot of the failures. And one of the great things about Peter is, like you said, is, you know, it, it makes me connect with him a lot more. I mean, like, I don't know if you into golf, but when I watch golf, you know, usually I kind of like, ah, okay, you know, and a lot of it's because, man, these guys hit long and they're, they're usually in the fairway which I rarely am. So it's hard for me to relate to them. I, I get more excited when they're like hit and they're like way off somewhere and they're trying to scramble to get back onto the green. Cause then yeah, I feel that's like- That's a shot you can relate to. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> man, I'm more like that. Uh, so anyway, I think Peter is kind of like that for us in the Bible. Cause you know, so much of his life uh, and his things that he faces makes us connect with him. And I think that's the reason why um, God cho chose to leave so much of that in the Bible for us to be able to connect uh, in that way. So, and, and I think it's even a, a great evidence to the truthfulness of the Gospels, because if you were to um, write a story that's false, mm -hmm. why would you paint yourself in such a negative light? Right. You know? Yeah. Well, let's, let's dive in and we'll look at... Um, couple of different events in Peter's life that are recorded in the Bible. And we'll start in Matthew 26, uh, verse 31 to 35. It says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. For after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. What, what do you see about Peter here? Uh, for me, in, in this piece, I, I see a a boldness, uh, mm. a commitment, a, a desire to show a friend, uh, I will never leave you. Mm -hmm. You know, whether he was caught up in the passion, whether mm. he was caught up in uh, the solidarity of his friendship with Jesus, um, but and, and then in a group, wanting to show within that group, hey, look, I'm going to be there. Mm you know, to, to maybe spur on the other 12 or the other disciples witnessing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's consistent in his character. I mean, just how we looked at uh, in another podcast, how he stepped out of the boat, right? Um, or when he declared Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. I mean, he's confident uh, in his convictions. Um, 
and we we all kind of know okay how this is gonna turn out uh, you know he's bold uh, but untested um, and these were the different fires quote-unquote fires that he had to face in order for his faith uh, to be tested and to be refined and I, I remember as a young Christian I used to say that like you know even if all fall away I never will uh, now, some 27 years later, uh, I would say that I was a bit foolish and, and, and brash in saying that then. Um, now, knowing the challenges that and, and things that I've gone through uh, personally and, and even as a church, um, not, it's, not, not that it's bad, right, to have those kind of convictions, but it's untested. Um, I asked myself, well, would I say that now? I, I think so. Uh, I, I would probably say the same thing, uh, except probably like 10 years later, I'll probably look back and go, man, I was stupid. Um, but anyway, uh, but I think it's not bad to have those kind of convictions. Sure. Uh, let's read on. Um, Matthew 26 in verse 47 uh, it says, while he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, is the man. arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Then the man stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Uh, you know, in a parallel account in John 18, we learn that the guy who drew the sword was Peter. Um, and it's interesting when you think about that, but uh, what do you think he was thinking? Well, I think like many Jews at the time, they, they were looking for a Messiah to lead them mm. in a type of military revolt to, mm -hmm. to make Israel a great kingdom again. And as we read the Gospels, it seems Peter and the apostles, they, they were always having to be told again who Jesus was or mm -hmm. you know it's like they didn't quite get it and even at this point uh, you know with Peter drawing the sword it's like okay now the revolution's going to begin mm. is, is kind of my thought yeah uh, and I think that's probably what uh, was going through his mind um, probably you know with him having one sword against a large crowd uh, probably wouldn't have done a whole lot <clears throat> but I'm thinking, he was probably thinking, hey, I'm with the Messiah, the Son of God, right? right. Uh, and he's seen some incredible things that Jesus has done, feeding the 
thousands with a few loaves of bread and walking through a crowd when they want to throw them off a cliff or walking on water. Right. Um, so I'm thinking he's going, you know, uh, Jesus will get out of this. Um, sure, he'll multiply the swords, or he'll yeah, something, something will happen. Right, yeah, right. And certainly, I mean, the the in the Old Testament, you got people like uh, Elijah or Elisha who faced like armies, and God right. just went boom, and, right. and it's done, taken care right. of. Right. Um, so, but I think part of him was thinking, you know, I made that resolve that I would die with Jesus, even if you know I had to. Sure. Um, so part of it, I think he was trying to stick to his resolve, just what he was thinking was different than what God had planned. Um, did they all flee? Well, let's take a look. Let's read on verse 69. It says, um, now Peter was sitting in the courtyard and the servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee. So basically Jesus was taken uh, and to be questioned by, you know, the Jewish leaders. And Peter kind of followed along, right? So now he's outside in the courtyard. In verse 7, he says, but he denied it before them. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. It's, it's uh, interesting when we think about this whole picture and you know in, in Luke 22 it said that after Jesus was seized Peter followed at a distance so in one sense he can kind of say you know what I didn't fall away I didn't flee I did what I said I was gonna do I, I followed I'm still following um, and I think that was his conviction. He was trying to do that. And like I said, I think maybe he was thinking through all the different ways that Jesus got out of different jams before, he was hoping that Jesus would somehow come out of this one. And then he can say, hey, look, see, I'm right here. I ain't never left you. Um, you know, Jesus' prediction of his death probably hadn't quite sunk in for him. I think it was hard for him to accept that uh, suffering Messiah. Sure. I, I think, uh, yeah, you got Peter here feeling a lot of things uh, from, from, you know, initially thinking, hey, there's, now Jesus is going to make the stand. Revolution will begin and we're going to usher in, you know, God's kingdom. Drawing his sword, being scolded for drawing mm -hmm. his sword. Jesus getting arrested, this is not going according to what Peter had in mind. Mm -hmm. Peter probably fleeing a little bit, but then following the crowd into Jerusalem, what's going on? And here he's witnessing what's actually being done to Jesus, and he's trying to make sense out of everything. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute, I thought he was the Messiah. I thought this was going to be the change. He was right. the new king. He was, you know, all this in conflict in his mind. Even though Jesus had said all this, he still didn't get it. 
And then to the point where he's being questioned as he's being found out and he's just drawing further and further away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that kind of sticks in my mind is uh, in Luke 22, um, verse 60, it says, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Again, denying Jesus um, or that he knew Jesus. And it says, just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed in verse 21, the uh, 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Uh, just That just kind of sends chills down my spine when yes. I think about that. Yes. Um, but what do you think Peter was feeling through these times uh, as they were asking him whether he was one of Jesus' disciples? I think he was scared. He, he he was ready for a fight, but now he finds his leader captured, being beaten, accused, falsely accused. Now Peter's alone. We don't know where the other disciples are. And now he's getting asked, hey, aren't you one of them? He may be thinking, hey, they're going to arrest me too mm-hmm. and start beating me up. And, and so he's trying to get out of that. And then at the same time, it mm-hmm. takes a rooster crowing. It takes a look from Jesus then he remembers. Yeah. Um, you know, so subtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what he was feeling at that time when, when Jesus looked at him. But, you know, we see that he went out and, and wept. Um, and I think that's just something that's pretty incredible uh, with, this whole, uh, with this whole scene. So what, what do you think Peter was feeling as Jesus looked at him? I think uh, a feeling, uh, feelings rushing out of him, of, of being caught. Mm-hmm. Um, he was found out. He, he was caught in his lie or in his, in his guilt. Um, you know, he, he loudly proclaims to his friends, to Jesus, that I'll never fall away. I'll never deny you. Um, even if I'll fall away, I never will. Uh, I'm ready to die with you. To mm-hmm. just three times in a, in a short period, short time span, he, he denies even knowing the man, and then the person's right there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's like being caught, you're saying something about another person, which, you know, we shouldn't be, but it's happened. We, we say something about someone, and you turn, and that person's right there. Mm-hmm. What do you say? Um, in, in my own life, feelings of failure, whether it's, uh, a lot of it could be with my spouse, because she knows me the best, mm-hmm. and... You know, I'll say something, I'll do something, and uh, she catches me, or she knows the truth, or she asks those questions, and you're caught red-handed. Your hand is in the cookie jar, you know, and and there's nothing you can do to get out of it. Mm. And you know, how does that affect your faith? It you you feel like an absolute failure. And mm. I think in our human minds, because it's so hard for us to see that spiritual world. We quickly, at least I, I quickly think, oh, God's going to cast me aside. Mm-hmm. I failed again. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, it, it, how much can you take of a failure? You, you, you know, of how much do I take of failure from my own friends or from my own relationships before I cut them off? Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, look, I'm tired of getting hurt. I don't want that no more. And the world teaches me that that's natural. Cut them off. You know, they keep hurting mm-hmm. you. They don't care about you. Move, move on. But right. God continues 
to open up those arms. And so, mm-hmm. but, but how it affects my faith when I'm caught in that failure is I'm cast out. Mm. I'm alone. I'm without God now. Yeah, and I think those are probably similar things that Peter was uh, feeling. And that's why he went out and uh, wept bitterly. And it's interesting because, um, you know, at when Jesus was crucified, there was uh, Mary, his mother, and some other people. John was there, but Peter was absent from the whole scene. When Jesus was crucified and buried, he wasn't there. And I think part of it was because he was feeling like I failed. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's jump on to a scene later on, John chapter 21, because I think it shows us um, how God views mm-hmm. our failures. In John chapter 21, in verse 1, it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Mm. So what do you see here? Like, what, what do you, Why do you think they go back to fishing? Well, I think they're still processing what they witnessed. The death, mm-hmm. the crucifixion, and Peter especially processing his failure mm-hmm. to his friend. Um, and they go back to what they know. They go back to what they're familiar with. And, well, the revolution's over. It didn't happen the way we thought it would. Mm. And so, back to the boats. I mean, you know, they're back in Galilee because that's where they were told to go. Right. But, you know, their Messiah's gone. Right. There's not a heir appointing, <laughs> you know, heir apparent, you know, a leader appointed yeah. to lead now that Jesus is gone. It's like, so what do we do? Mm-hmm. I think they didn't know what was going to happen, so they figure, okay, well, we gotta go back and start earning money again, get our careers, you know, started, and uh, take out those nets, those boats, uh, clean them up, and go back out. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in verse four, reading on, it says, "Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends." Haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. You know, what does this scene remind you of? For me, it, it reminds me, well, when they're tired, they're coming back on the boat, they didn't catch anything all night, mm-hmm. and, it, and it shows me Jesus' humor. He already knows they didn't catch anything. Yeah, yeah. But he's kind of making fun of them. Yeah. You know? Didn't you catch anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but he instructs them. And, and uh, 
it, it's like he knows what their reaction's going to be. And uh, um, like, like, I don't know, he's, he's calling after them, mm. you know? <clears throat> yeah, and a little reminiscent of uh, what we read in Luke uh, when Jesus first called him to be uh, his disciple. You know, let, let's jump down and read on a little bit in verse 15, chapter 21. It says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Uh, it's interesting, right? When you think about what Jesus asked him. And he's saying, do you love me more than these? What do you think the, the quote-unquote these is referring to? Uh, for, for me, it's you, you have to change from up to verse 14 where it's all the disciples. Mm -hmm. And then starting at 15, we were included in this little conversation where it's just Jesus and Peter and and as many folks say it's the reinstatement of Peter right mm -hmm. um, I think these is Peter do you love me more than than the rest of these disciples love me mm. you know and it's and it's kind of highlighting back to Peter's declaration of if all fall away mm. and his boastfulness his rashness his his character Mm -hmm. of Jesus, I am behind you 100%, and how he made that claim in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. Now it's just him and the Lord, and not everyone's around, and he's asking him again, do you love me? And, and Peter's got repentance in his heart. He's got mm -hmm. humility now. He's got humbleness. He's got um, sobriety now in, in who he really is. Mm -hmm. And so you have this echo of, of three times, and we could get into numerology, but... But like the three, mm. maybe the three times that he denied him three times, you know, you don't know right. where that parallel is. But, but it's to the point where finally Peter's like, Jesus, mm. you can see into my heart. Mm. It's all I have to give. There's mm -hmm. nothing more I can do. There's nothing more I can say. You, you, you know, mm -hmm. yes, I love you. Right. And, and that bareness, that rawness, that this is all I've got, Lord. Mm -hmm. It's who I am. I am a failure. I am mm. this. But that's that's kind of where I I think that these is 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 talking about you know really challenging Peter like hey you 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 once before you said in front of everyone you would die for me you would fight for me you mm -hmm. would never disown me but you did right and so it's kind of coming back to that mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's a great question for us today like what are the quote unquote these for us like. You know, if Jesus came and asked, you know, do you love me more than these? What would those 
these be for us today. And I think that's something that's good to reflect on. Mm -hmm. um, one, one of the things I thought, you know, uh, which I found very interesting in this interaction and dialogue is, is the word Jesus uses for love. Um, and I, I don't want to get into a deep dive into the, the word love, but I thought it was pretty interesting because Jesus used uh, two different terms. The first two times that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He uses the word, Greek word, agapao. Um, and the third time he uses the Greek word phileo. Uh, agapao basically uh, is that kind of a sacrificial, selfless, unconditional kind of love, right? That's born out of a decision. Right. Uh, phileo is a little bit different. It, it, it actually is more related to emotions or affection and has a sense of uh, friendship. So, um, you know, I, I want to take a look at this dialogue a little bit uh, between Jesus and Peter to give us a little sense of, uh, you know, sort of like the Greek behind it, right? <laughs> so G Jesus asked Simon, Simon, son of John, do you agapao me? more than these. And, and look at Peter's response. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I phileo you. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you agapao me? And again, Peter's response was, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you, right? Uh, and it's, it's interesting when you think about that because uh, he doesn't really answer uh, Jesus's question he kind of comes back with no you, you know that I have affection for you you know that I consider you as a friend um, so the third time Jesus says Simon son of John do you phileo me and Peter was hurt right um, because Jesus actually Kind of threw that question back at him do you phileo me and you know i think that's the reason why uh peter was hurt um you know so it, it's an interesting way of looking at this this whole uh dialogue well i i, I really appreciate you bringing up the the greek differences in agapao phileo and uh it's it's one that is well debated uh, amongst teachers and in, in why the author chose those words and, and this dialogue going back and forth and and what I think what we end up with is Jesus really getting to the heart you know con mm. confronting Peter multiple times about that failure of mm. his you know and letting him know hey Peter I haven't forgotten that you failed me <laughs> as, mm. as bold as you were as, as strong as you were yeah but do you love me? Do you care for me? You know, and, and, and he's also instructing him, not just talking about, you know, how, how the love is, but he's instructing him, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep in this. And, and I think he's really getting to Peter. He's getting across to Peter that I want you to lead and be the, the, the start of the church by example in how you love one another, how you take care of one another, how you feed them, how you shepherd them. Mm -hmm. And he's really getting across that it's going to be how you live yeah 
Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting because Jesus points him back to this is what I want you to become for my church. Right. And I think it's maybe it's tied into the word agapao because in order for him to be the man that he needs to be or that God wants him to be, he needs to have that uh, agapao kind of love. Absolutely. Where he has to sacrifice himself and be selfless and deny himself um, to be able to take care of God's people. Yes. In a um, sense, he has yeah. to be like Jesus. Right. He, you know, don't draw your sword, don't fight, don't just love. Yeah. And a lot of the motivation that will come from that is from that filial love yeah. that he has with Jesus. Mm -hmm. That that is the love that will motivate him to be able to lead uh, that role that God wants him to have. Right. And I think it's great because, uh, you know, this, this whole scene is kind of reminiscent of uh, at the very beginning when he was first called to be Jesus' disciple. Uh, because Jesus says at the end, follow me. Mm -hmm. Jesus is helping him to overcome his failures and to keep going. Just like when initially Peter's response to Jesus calling him, he was like, hey, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Right. And Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. Right? Come follow me. And I think he's doing the same. Hey, you know what? It's okay. Uh, yes, you have failed, but it's all right. Just come follow me. Right. <clears throat> Ultimately, we see Peter's resolve at the end of his life. Right. According to tradition, um, he was crucified by Nero in Rome, and you know he asked to be crucified upside down because he felt unworthy to die in the same way Jesus did. What's also interesting uh, that I just read recently was in uh, Eusebius' writings, uh, and he's actually uh, quoting from Clement, mm -hmm. uh, who was, I think it was in the first or second century. Yeah. Um, but he writes that Peter's wife was led to be executed on that same day. Yes. And that, you know, she was actually killed before he was. And he called out to her by name and... Uh, said comforting and encouraging words uh, as she was led to be executed. And he told her, remember the Lord. Uh, so that, that's pretty amazing to see the kind of resolve uh, that he had at the end. Because the Romans were probably trying to get him to renounce his faith or else they're going to execute his wife. Right, right. Um, I'm sure your and, and your spouse's execution is not a pleasant experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to go, right. are you willing? Are you willing to sacrifice your wife for your faith? Right. Um, well, it shows that Peter was a changed man at this point. Right. He he no longer is is afraid. He's no longer doubting. He's no longer concerned about his failures. He's focused on the Lord. Yeah. And he's focused on being with the Lord. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, refined by fire. Right. Through all the things that he has gone through, uh, he has, his faith has been refined. So just to close us off, uh, I think a couple reflection questions for, for us to think about. 
you know, what are the failures in my life? And how have they affected my faith? Uh, what is God's view of my failures in light of what I just read about Peter? You know, another question is, you know, Jesus called Peter to feed his sheep, to take care of his church. What is the role that God has given for us in his church? What does God want us to do? Uh, I, I want to encourage us with one last scripture as we uh, close things out. And this is in Proverbs uh, 24, verse 16. It says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Thank you for joining us on this podcast series. And I hope you can join us again.